Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen, find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and Philip Kirpin is the president of American Commitment. We'll be talking about the uh, new task force that he has working with Art Laffer and uh, Stephen Moore. It is May the 19th, and on this day in 1943, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt set a date for the cross-channel landing that would become D-Day, May 1st, 1944, well, weather changed the plans to June 6th, of course, when some 156,000 American, British, and Canadian forces landed on five beaches along a 50-mile stretch of heavily fortified coast of France's Normandy region. Addressing a joint session of Congress, Churchill warned that the real danger at present was the dragging out of the war at enormous expense because of the risk that the Allies would become tired or bored or split and play into the hands of Germany and Japan, he pushed for an early and massive attack on the underbelly of the Axis. And so to speed things up, the British Prime Minister and President Roosevelt set a date for a cross-channel invasion of Normandy in northern France from May 1st, 1944. Regardless of the problems presented by the invasion of Italy, which was underway, it would be carried out by 29 divisions, including a free French division, if possible. Amazing story. Well, Wall Street logged its best day in over a month on Monday is uh, news from Moderna. It's a company in Massachusetts uh, had a trial-stoked uh, optimism about a potential coronavirus vaccine. The Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed 911 points, uh, or 3.9% to 24,597. Moderna shares rallied uh, 20% after the company reported a positive phase Phase 1 results for a potential coronavirus vaccine. The company said that after two doses, all 45 trial participants had developed coronavirus antibodies. That's good news, but of course it's not over. It's going to take months to complete the process. But good news for the markets and good news for the country. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced Monday that Senator Marco Rubio will serve as the, he's now a senior senator in, in uh, Florida, will serve as the acting chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee while a federal investigation into Senator Richard Burr is completing. The, uh, of course, uh, Burr, his uh, cell phone, was seized by the FBI as part of the investigation into stock trades he made shortly before the coronavirus caused global market crash. And the next day, McConnell announced that Burr would be stepping down from his role as chairman of the committee during this, uh, the investigation. I suspect he won't be coming back after the investigation to at least that uh, position. So congratulations to our own Marco Rubio. Hard to believe he's in his second term and he's the senior senator. Of course, uh, Governor Scott, now Senator Scott, is the junior senator from Florida. Well, 1,600, or excuse me, 1,006 cases of COVID-19 in Collier County, 150 hospitalized, many released, of course, from that number, and during the deaths remained at 37. So it's, I would guess there's an increase in the number of uh, cases because they're doing a lot of testing, especially in Immokalee. Here's some good news. Thousands of American workers are returning to their manufacturing jobs at Ford, General Motors, and GM, and uh, Fiat Chrysler this week after shuttering for nearly two months amid the coronavirus uh, crisis. In addition, the uh, Florida Keys will reopen to tourists starting June 1st, allowing hotels to resume business at 50% capacity. They're going to cut out the uh, checkpoint screenings to gain access to uh, the keys by road will also will be removed, and bus restrictions and airport screenings will be eliminated. That's good news. And then, in addition to that, the, the governor of o- Oregon uh, put in strict restrictions uh, in uh, uh, behavior of their citizens. Well, it's all null and void, according to a court. He failed to get, or she failed to get approval from the legislature. I like this story. This is, I think, 
embodies the American spirit. You may have seen this. Uh, I saw it on Tucker Carlson, but a gym in southern uh, New Jersey has reopened for business in defiance of a state order that shut down the non-essential businesses to help stem the spread of coronavirus. He says, and here's a quote from the owner, we truly believe that if we don't do this, in the end, we will have zero rights and no say in what happens. That's, that's co-owner Frank Trombetti. He said in a video posted on the Jim's Facebook page, Trombetti said he's uh, recently lost a loved one to coronavirus, so he's not lacking a little bit of fear and respect for the coronavirus. After 10.30 a.m., Belmar police officers approached the door through the crowd to speak with the gym's owners. The officers informed them that they were formally in violation of the shutdown order. We are here only for everybody's safety today, said the officers. We planned for the worst and hoped for the best, and it seems like that's what we have out here. He said today, the officer said the owners, uh, to the uh, owners and surrounding crowd, formally you are in violation of the executive order. On that note, have a good day, said the officers. Everybody be safe. The officer said that before walking away as the crowd erupted in a cheer. Well, police returned to the gym uh, Monday afternoon. I'm sure after a very uh, loud and boisterous call from the, from the governor and uh, issued a disorderly conduct summons. A June court date has been scheduled for the owners. State Police Superintendent uh, Patrick Callahan said Monday the, uh, the clients were given a warning. The owners have said the decision to resume operations as members-only facility will not be about financial gain, but rather a question of constitutional rights. They say they plan on opening again today. Governor Phil Murphy, you may remember him. He was on the Tucker Carlson show, and he said, hey, when you made these decisions, Tucker said, uh, did you think, what about the Bill of Rights? And the governor said, well, you know, I really didn't give the Bill of Rights or the Constitution any thought. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. Anyhow, he ordered the fitness centers, movie theaters, and casinos closed on March 16th as part of the state's efforts to fight the pandemic. Over the weekend, the Camden County prosecutor's office issued a reminder that non-essential businesses were to remain closed under Murphy's order, adding anyone who patronizes a business that is open in violation of an executive order could face criminal charges in the form of a disorderly person's offense for which you could be fined up to $1,000 each for each offense and spend up to six months in jail. What about that, huh? Uh, there's a lot of that going on, and it, I, I found this on the internet it's no longer the coronavirus it's the controlless virus it stopped being about your safety long ago it's now about how much power they can keep how much control over you they won take back what you lost and more make them pay make sure they never try crisis communism again well that's exactly what these guys are doing the owners trombetti and his uh, co-owner are basically standing up to power Truth to power and saying, hey, look, we have the right to do what we're doing. We can make better decisions than the governor. Well, they're going to pay a price, no doubt. But uh, irrespective, I respect what they're doing. In addition, President Donald Trump said Monday that he's uh, taken a malaria drug to lessen symptoms should he get the new coronavirus. Now, you may recall there's a, a couple of... Uh, uh, secret police, I believe it is secret police, or his driver, a couple of people that in the uh, White House force that uh, got the coronavirus. Even though the drug is unproven for fighting COVID-19 and has been the subject of some disappointing tests, Trump told reporters he's been taking the drug hydrochloroquine and zinc supplement daily for about a week and a half. The drug has the potential to cause significant side effects, including heart issues, uh, apparently, and some patients have not been shown to combat the new coronavirus. Trump said his doctor did not recommend the drug, but he requested from the White House physician, I started taking it because I think it's good. Now, he referenced a letter that he received from a doctor uh, who said he's been treating his clients with it, uh, patients, and it's uh, gotten great results. He says, I've heard a lot of good stories, Trump said. Uh, so, in a brief letter released by the White House after Trump announced he was taking the medication, President Physician Sean Connolly uh, wrote that he discussed the pros and cons of HCQ with his patient after a personal valet of Trump's uh, tested positive. So, uh, this really shook up the press. Heads exploded in the press corps, and everyone went crazy. Watched uh, Neil Cavuto, his press conferences during the Neil Cavuto show, and Neil Cavuto said to Fox News he was shocked. Uh, and, uh, 
it was so disgusting, Neil Cavuto. Uh, I don't know why they have that guy on Fox News, but they do. Anyhow, uh, Trump uh, tweeted, uh, Fox News is no longer the same. We miss uh, great Roger Ailes. You have a lot more anti-Trump people by far than ever before. Look for a new outlet, President Trump tweeted. Well, he's so right. Uh, that right now, of course, uh, Trump said he'd never go on Neil Cavuto's show, and Neil Cavuto's always had hurt feelings about that, I think. Anyhow, uh, the, the uh, research on this has had mixed results, but President's saying, hey, what's the harm? It's been around for 40 years. I take it because I'm just as a preventive measure, as a caution. So uh, it's so interesting. President, uh, and it's so controversial. He just is, that's just who he is. And you know what? I love him for it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and Productions are now posted for the next season. I hope you'll get tickets by going to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So uh, I'm just uh, interested in your response and how things are being handled right now by the governor. He uh, did. He came. Uh, he said he's about 97 percent of the money that should be paid out to people on unemployment has been paid out, but I think people are still complaining con and concerned about it. Well, there's um, yes, uh, on both counts. Mm -hmm. uh, there's 
a, a lot of people are starting to get their, most everybody by now is starting to get their um, unemployment checks, uh, both uh, federal and state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue now is the back payments. Uh, we're getting, most of the calls we're getting now are people saying, well, I got a check, I got one check, but what about what I'm owed from when I was uh, left uh, laid off, which mm-hmm. was in March? My understanding is that um, the state will be sending out checks for the back payments, and right now they just wanted to get caught up before they sent the back payments. So yeah. that's going to happen uh, fairly soon, I'm told. Well, that's that's good news. Thanks for clarifying. I, that is a so you're saying that the federal government is sending out unemployment checks as well, well as they're the, doing the six. Yeah, the six hundred. Well, there's there's really three pots of money. You know, you've got the the state unemployment for those people who uh, were either worked for a company that paid in, mm-hmm. um, so they're entitled to their uh, checks. Then you have the six hundred dollar uh, federal funds, and then we have the PUA, which is for gig workers. And um, so, unfortunately, it got it got complicated because all the requests for all funding had to go through Department of Economic Opportunity, uh, with its um, the website that was just not set up to handle all that. Yeah. And um, they've rebuilt it. It's uh, starting to work, and I think we should see everything loosening up in the next couple of weeks. Well, good for the governor. I'm happy that's all working out. But it's just, uh, you know, I have a, I played golf with a friend this week uh, who's a dentist in Maryland, and he uh, uh, said that his uh, assistant said, you know, I, I'm really not sure I want to come back. <laughs> and her, state, her stated reason was, of course, the coronavirus and the fear of the pandemic and all that. But the real reason, of course, is she's making more money than she would if she came back by just staying on unemployment. Tough situation for the dentist. And he basically said, well, you know, we can only hope that your job is uh, here when uh, you come back because I've got to find somebody to fill this job. So she probably did, well, probably did come yeah, back. Yeah, it is an issue. I mean, there are people that are genuinely concerned about the virus mm-hmm. um, and, you know, people who have pre-existing conditions or family members that do that kind of thing. There are others, however, who have admitted that they're making more money. They, I mean, I've heard uh, anecdotally telling their employers, well, I'm not coming back to work. I'm making more money unemployed and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, we also have a situation which, um, of course, the, the, the scammers and thieves um, this one uh, typically originated out of Nigeria or something, where they had they had stolen a number of social hundreds and thousands of social security numbers, and they were filing for unemployment using those social security numbers, which is also clogging up the system. So we have to sort through those. Hmm. Um, and another issue, you know, the governor pointed out. I mean, his. Uh, unfortunately, he was lambasted for it. Maybe his choice of words. I don't know. Um, but I found that a number of people, um, when they were filling out their application for unemployment, made errors mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the system couldn't confirm. For example, um, if you work for McDonald's, you, really, you didn't really work for, quote, McDonald's, because that's a brand name. Right. Anybody who works for McDonald's works for a franchisee. And that has a different name. You know, it could be the XYZ company or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Naples, it's most of them are owned by, I think, um, Adams and O'Reilly or something like that. And I don't know what their company name is. So you didn't really work for McDonald's, so it got rejected. Then we had uh, a lot of our, um, our uh, hospitality industry workers. You know, you, don't, you may or may not work for the Hilton, but there's a different name to it. Or the restaurant's names, a lot of the names of the restaurant are not related to the actual owner of the restaurant that you work for. Right. So by just putting down, so that that was a problem. And some people didn't put their wages in, some people didn't put their Social Security or the wrong number. And so we have a, a, you know, in some ways I wish that, you know, if the legislature could help 
let me go through some of these and help flag mistakes. You yeah. know, I'd be happy to sit all day and go through them. I told that yeah. to the governor's office, but, you know, that's, that would be a little counterproductive. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, it seems to me, I, I, I'm getting the sense things are kind of loosening up right now. I really appreciate the governor's guidance. When I think about what's happening in New Jersey and other states, now you probably heard about the guys that opened their gym in defiance of the governor's order up in New Jersey. Uh, but uh, right now, I think the governor is really paying attention. He seems to have empathy for business owners. He's, uh, I think he's moving this thing along. Apparently, we're going to be able to open restaurants up to 50, 50% uh, this week or next week. Right. So. This, yeah. Um, and and the, the question will be, um, will people abs- uh, take advantage of that and, and how they do it? And, and I, I think, by and large, locally, our businesses, our restaurants and our hotels and, and, and the hospitality businesses are, are taking this very seriously and want to make sure that they do it right to protect their customers. Yeah. And, and frankly, also to protect themselves, because if you don't do it right and don't follow the CDC guidelines and then somebody comes in that's infected and one of your employees gets infected or one of your patrons gets infected, the next thing that you're going to get is a uh, summons to appear in court by a trial lawyer. So... You know, there's a, that people have to be very careful. Yeah, you're pointing out the legal liability and having thought about that. But most people have a real selfish interest in staying healthy. So even That's if, for true. example, even, even if we opened up the entire economy, there's still people that are going to say, you know what, I don't think I'm ready. Uh, I don't think my right. family is exactly. ready to, to, to do these things. So I say let's just push the decision as low as we possibly can. And it's usually the persons involved in the process. I, that's right. So, well, in any event, uh, any good scoop from the state or anything uh, you'd like to pass on to our listeners? <laughs> There's no, no scoops right now. We're transparent. Everything uh, that we do, everybody knows about. Um, and, we're, you know, we're, we're hoping that uh, our economic projections are so far so good that we won't have to... Uh, uh, make changes to our budget, although the governor has not as yet uh, signed or signed it, so we'll see what he decides to do, and he'll have to do it pretty quick because budget takes effect August 1st. Uh, that's a good good reminder there. I understand there's still a number of bills outstanding that he hasn't signed as well. About 200 of them, I'm told. <laughs> and, uh, those are going to, hopefully, those will be signed soon as well. All right. Kathleen, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. She works hard. She does her job very well. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. It's the lighter side of the show. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
ABC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, of course, after the pandemic especially. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, the president of American Commitment, Phil Kirpin. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to, it just makes me smile every time I say this. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It is a pleasure, and uh, hey, we're making it through this. We are indeed. Uh, just good signs everywhere. The things are starting to open up. Have you been out to a restaurant yet? Yes. We have. Yes. We have too. And doesn't it? Isn't it just refreshing to be among people, hear the laughter, uh, visit with people? It was. To, it's. We're not meant to be isolated. No, no, we're pack animals, and we need to uh, be with others. Yes, it, it feels great. It really does. It makes, and here that would be something that we would take advantage of, wouldn't even think about it, or even complain and say, oh, my gosh, I've got to go out again tonight. Yeah. I, I remember, <clears throat> and now it's, our priorities have changed. Yeah, you know, I do remember saying things like that. We take, take our freedom for granted, don't we, sometimes? So. Yeah, we do. All right, so this is the question for the day. Mm. Trump has tested negative, mm-hmm. won't wear a mask, mm-hmm. but now he's taking hydrochloroquine. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, that's typical Trump. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he loves to he loves to stir things up. He's an agitator, isn't he? He's a, really really is. And he didn't need to say that. But the point is, one I guess his driver or one of the people in the Secret Service, I've forgotten who, but there's a couple of people now on the White House staff who got the virus. And so he's taking it as a precautionary measure. Now, uh, he's had people like uh, uh, Fauci and others say that it's not a good idea and that it hasn't tested well and all this nonsense. So he's, he basically he got a letter from a doctor. He said he's given it to hundreds of his patients as a pre- preventive measure. Nobody's gotten the virus, and he thinks it's a great thing. So he asked his doctor. He didn't do it on his own. The doctor gave him a prescription. They talked about the pros and the cons, and uh, so he's taking the, taking the medicine. So I, I think he has a little bit of a... <laughs> A contrarian spirit. A contrarian spirit, number one. But number two, I think it also demonstrates his lack of confidence in what these health officials, public health officials, are saying about stuff. Yeah. I just hope that people don't go out and think that that's the magic bullet. Well, uh, I do too. On one hand, on the other hand, I mean, they they have to speak with their doctor. If the doctor doesn't like the idea, he won't make the prescription. So... I just, I, you know, and of course, Neil. I don't know if you watched the thing, but it was during Neil, Neil Cavuto's uh, show, and Neil Cavuto came on and just exploded in anger because how could the president do this? It was just unbelievable. Wow. Well, speaking of exploding with anger, do you think Americans are going to submit to a second shutdown if there is one? If there's a second wave of the virus that comes in the fall, which they are, everybody is predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, would would you go back indoors? <laughs> well, you know, dude, that's a good question. But I, I think what we're finding out is uh, we know a lot more about this virus than we knew when we first had the initial shutdown. So I think the thought might be, rather than sh- uh, another shutdown, it might be if there's a hot spot like Miami, they may want to uh, take measures like that, but I don't think it'll do it for the entire state or the entire nation at all, because what we've learned is the coronavirus is extremely uh, contagious, mm-hmm. but it's not deadly. I mean, it's uh, people that have compromised immune systems or older folks, <laughs> boo like you and I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in that demographic. Yeah, we, we are indeed. But uh, apparently we're at risk, but the younger people aren't so much at risk. So now we know all this stuff. We don't need to uh, do another quote-unquote shutdown. Although, I think there's a lot of 
power hungry. Uh, it's it's almost like a drug for some of these people, elected officials. Mm-hmm. You know, got to get that sense of power. You know, you, it just it's it's really a shame. It is. It's uh, and then how it's becoming more and more politicized. Absolutely, is uh, tragic. Yeah. Okay. On a lighter note, uh-huh. let me give you the a few a list of a few things other than the obvious, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, and that sort of thing. More and more people are buying butter churns. They're churning their own butter. What? Have you bought one for Linda yet? No, I haven't gotten. <laughs> so don't you have to have a cow? Oh, I guess you you take cream. Don't I? Don't know how even how you make butter. How do you make butter? I don't know. I think you take cream and then you just beat the heck out of it. I'm not, I don't know. It seems like a, I guess the word churn seems a little intimidating. To, to more me, and more people are buying baby chicks. Baby vegetable chicks. Vegetable and fruit seeds. Yeah, ba- they're, go- they're we're raising their own eggs. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess if you have the property to do it, you can do it. Uh, but I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then the seeds, you know, more and more people are, are uh, you know, it's kind of a revert back to nature, more self-sustainability. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeast, people are making bread. Hmm. Sewing machines. Well, you know what? People have more time on their hands and they're starting to think about what can I do with my time? Maybe uh, make some clothes and all that. You know, uh, just reminding me, my mother made uh, my clothes. My dad had an automobile accident when I was young, about uh, seven years old, and he was laid up, couldn't work, and wasn't getting paid. And so we were eating uh, <laughs> stewed chicken and uh, whatever we could find, and uh, my sure. mom was making my clothes. And I remember kids laughing at me at school. <laughs> So, oh my goodness, I don't know why they came to mind, but that's just a, a little transparency of my life. Well, and what a remarkable thing. Back then, a lot of people sewed. Yeah, they, they and did. made their own clothes. Now, you know, there's, it's too easy and too, you can buy clothes cheaply and easily. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, again, it's kind of a resurgence to uh self-sustainability so they're and they're buying more office chairs now that's obvious yeah because more and more people are working out of their out of their homes um fitness equipment is being puzzles i can see fitness equipment because people can't go to the gym i mean take sustaining your health i think is an important thing i would imagine people are buying maybe some weights maybe a machine uh, like a, a elliptical machine. machine yeah one of those things uh, i can understand that yeah, yeah, and puzzles, you know, games. Yeah. Nintendo sets. Uh, so everybody is kind of figuring out different ways to get through the days staying at home. And I, I think it's kind of a neat, I think it's good stuff. I do too. And one of the things I'm, uh, that's interesting to me is the things that you've listed, many of them are productive. In other words, they, they uh, contribute something to their lives. Uh, like planting, planting stuff and raising chickens. <laughs> I can't imagine raising chickens, but that's just me. Well, I don't think it'd go over well in your condo. I don't I think. Mean, so. I think you'd have a couple objections, <laughs> that's, that's especially right. with the roosters. That's right. But uh, well, the, the or, well, that's another story. Well, Boo. Uh, so, how are you handling this this entire thing? You know, again, we are so lucky to be in Florida and. It's. It, it. I don't think we have felt the impact as severely as people in big crowded cities have. You know, I think we've been pretty lucky. We've had wonderful weather. We've yep. got beaches on and off, and and we live in a state where we've got an aggressive governor that is opening it and wants business to start up. So, I think those of us that live in Florida are pretty darn lucky. I do too, and I'm so grateful right now uh, because uh, when you, when you have somebody who's uh, has these onerous dictates, like uh, Gretchen Whitmer, I guess it's up in uh, Michigan, and uh, some of these other governors, it's it's just really a shame because they're they're really violating human rights, quite frankly, by limiting uh, human interaction and uh, behavior. So it's it's just not right. No, well, we have a governor that's in the same boat. You know, it's those four states. It's Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. And they are, they are firm. They are keeping the states locked down. Now, in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court rescinded it. Yeah. But then the different counties, 
decided what they were going to do. And, of course, I live in downtown where the Capitol is. And, of course, they slammed that shut again. So it's it'll be very, I think it'll be a different reality going back. It should be really fascinating yeah. because, you know, we've we've been pretty lucky no, we've been very lucky indeed. Very fortunate. I, you, know, I you know, we've had we've been able to go out and golf, even if you walk the golf course, which I did, which was great. Yeah. We still had little opportunities here and there to, uh, you know, keep your life back like what it used to be. But it, that's not true for a lot of states. Maybe if there's another coronavirus pandemic, maybe we'll all move to Man- Montana. There's only about 45 people that live in that state. Yeah. Uh, Boo Mortz, it's always a pleasure to find I hope you have a good trip back to Madison, Wisconsin, going back for the uh, summer now. So I hope all yep. that works uh, out well. Report back. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting. Uh, with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin. He is the president of American Commitment. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and publisher of uh, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, existence is the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and, and I think that's the commitment to which uh, Phil Kirpin speaks. Uh, it is true. Phil is uh, yes. very like-minded. Well, uh, <laughs> absolutely. So you wrote a column, China virus lockdown and big tech censorship stop treating us like children. I really enjoyed it. Tell us about it. Yeah, you know, the underlying, you know, I, I started out writing, I, w- I want to make this point up front because I didn't make it in the piece because I got sidetracked with the children thing, which is the, the impact of Facebook's censorship board, the you know, conservative censorship board, and all these pull down first and then review later things is, you know, nobody reads newspaper attractions. Newspaper attractions never go viral. Um, what they're doing by pulling pieces first is stopping them from going viral, right? Because there's a moment in time when they can really spread like wide wildflower, but they can't if Facebook and YouTube pull them down. Right. Um, and then they put them up later, but it's after the fact. And like I said, nobody reads the, you know, you look at Twitter all the time. 
the original false story gets nine million retweets, and the correction of the of the original story gets a thousand. Yeah. Um, and so that's an important point too. But the the fact of the matter is, we're adults with an innate genetic predisposition to not die. We don't want to die. Right. So the shutdown was entirely antithetical to human nature. We we would do what is necessary to protect ourselves and our loved ones. And the combined effort of, uh, of everyone protecting themselves and their loved ones will protect all of us, mm-hmm. the way it has in every instance for 10,000 years of human history. Mm-hmm. The lockdown ignores all that and says, you know what, screw it, you're all locked down, we can't trust you to make the right decisions, right. you're your children. Uh, likewise, with all, the, with all the big tech censorship, the, the underlying principle, the only fair way for big tech to manage its massive power over the national discourse is everyone speaks and everyone decides for themselves to whom to listen. They're making decisions that we should be allowed to make. Absolutely. Now, you referenced this Section 230, which I find so interesting. I don't even know why, and maybe you could explain Section 230 to our listeners, but not number one. Number two, I can't understand why the government continues to allow them to have this loophole. Well, it came about in 1996 when, of course, the Internet was really new, and we didn't really know what was going on. You know, it's hard to think back to how, you know, tiny and nascent the, the internet was 24 years ago. Right. But what they said was, is, okay, you're a social media platform. You're not a publisher. You're not, like, the New York Times is a publisher. Mm-hmm. It controls all the content that goes up under its banner. Mm-hmm. Facebook doesn't do that. Google doesn't, YouTube doesn't do that. Google owns YouTube. Uh, this is third-party content, meaning outside people, outside their control, post stuff. So what the original purpose was, a good idea, if I go online and say, Bob Harden's a jackass, you can't sue, you know, Facebook because they hosted me calling you a jackass. Mm-hmm. It's not Facebook's fault that a third-party player called you a jackass. They're not responsible for libel or slander in that instance. And the problem with that is the, the, the whole concept was you were supposed to be an open platform not an editing publisher. But they are. Well, of course they are. The argument that they keep putting forward in defense of Section 230 is, we have too many posts to monitor. We can't monitor it. Except they keep monitoring posts and content under other auspices, like fake news, like misinformation. So if if they're going to say, we can monitor content under this condition, then they can say they can monitor content under all conditions, and they should lose Section 230 protection. I agree. Because the only way that, that Google and Facebook became trillion-dollar companies or, you know, $800 billion companies is because of this cronyism, Section 230. Yeah. That's the only way they could get there. Yeah, so, it's, it's, like, you know, it, it's been used, uh, weaponized. It's, it's a political weapon now at this point. Candace Owens, who has great commentary and does a great job, pulled right. off YouTube. Uh, pulled and, o- by the way, at the behest of government, so what the defenders of big tech say is, well, they're private companies. The First Amendment doesn't apply to them. However, I saw a sentence. I, I saw the sentence, and damn it, I, I've been trying for weeks now to use it. I can't find it again. Zuckerberg says Facebook is pulling content more or less depending upon which governor they're talking to. Jeez. Well, that's the government doing it then. Right. That's the First Amendment violation then. And, and Candace Owens was pulled off of Twitter for criticizing Governor Whitmer of Michigan, who, of course, has been arguably the worst governor during this shutdown. Mm-hmm. And she basically, you know, she's been dictating to Facebook, and she apparently has been dictating to Twitter, too. And that's the government dictating to private companies what they can and cannot put on their, on their platforms. That's definitely a First Amendment violation. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, when it comes to elections in the 2020 election, you can understand that these uh, big tech people that run big tech, like Zuckerberg, they're clearly Democrats, and they, they want the, the Democrat candidate oh, listen, to win. I read a sentence that 
infuriated me. I call Politico Pathetico. Yeah. And last week they 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 they, they, they referenced a call a conference call I was on about big tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, and they said these people say there's social media bias, although there's no evidence of it. We have video of Twitter employees, Facebook employees, and YouTube and, and uh, Google YouTube employees all saying they censor content right. based on ideology. We have video of all three companies doing it, and Pathetico is saying we don't have any evidence. It's yeah. unbelievable. It is. So, I mean, there, it's a different... There is some some stuff that should not be on the internet. There's clearly stuff that violates uh, decency, and you know those types of things should not appear on the internet. It should be taken down. There's no, but the question: How do you define that? It's a very well, very. That, that's part of the problem. And here's the other thing: misinformation. Yeah. For three years, no social media platform, the Google, Facebook, Twitter, pulled any posts promoting Trump-Russia collusion. Which we now know is misinformation. Right. So who you know? I, I wrote a piece months and months and months ago. Who who watches the watchers? Okay, they're the watchdog of misinformation. Who's watching them? Right. They've already proven their left wing over and over and over again. Facebook had a news feed for a while, and the ex-employee said, "Oh yeah, we we we." bumped conservative news stories down to the bottom of the list. We have Twitter executives on video, thank you, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, saying, yeah, we, we censor and shadow ban conservatives. Yeah. Um, Google, after the 2016 election, there was a, a, a senior staff meeting where the executives spoke to, I don't know, some employees, I don't know how many, uh, I don't know who they were, how they were chosen, but they're, like the women were crying because Trump won. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, no one is unbiased. Right. Google is clearly, you know, humans are biased. Right. That's how it is. That's exactly so to right. Pretend that they're not, and then to pretend that their bias is not going to affect their work product is absurd. I agree with that. You know, see, this is such an important issue, and uh, again, the Section 230 thing should be reviewed very carefully. I wish we had more time to talk about this, but I genuinely, again, lessgovernment.org is the website, lessgovernment.org. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Phil Kirpin, the president of Less Commitment. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Lulabee's Grill. Now they're open for business for breakfast and lunch right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They support St. Matthew's House in such an important way. I'll help you. I hope you patronize them. It's, again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Right now we have with us Phil Kirpin. Phil is the president of American Commitment. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Phil. And tell us about American Commitment. Uh, American Commitment is a national free market advocacy group. Uh, we work really on all of the fiscal, economic, and regulatory issues. And what we try to do, it's a little different from some of the other groups, is uh, we don't do original research. We try to figure out which issues are sort of on the margin, could go either way with a little bit of citizen mobilization. And uh, we try to push them in that free market direction, get people facts and information to be more active, informed citizens. And we do a lot of letter-writing campaigns into uh, regulatory dockets and into Congress and into the administration and uh, try to win some of these fights that are on the margin. Well, the real important work, I'm going to just reference uh, the website, AmericanCommitment.org is the website. I hope you check it out. Some great stuff there, very robust. Now, uh, at the end of our last interview, you had uh, mentioned the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. It sounded so interesting. Could you tell us about it? Yeah, this is uh, this is the other group that I'm working with now, um, and this is a group that was founded originally by Steve Moore, Art Laffer, Steve Forbes, and uh, Larry Kudlow. Larry is no longer associated with it because he is now the president's top economist in the White House. Uh, but it uh, was sort of these supply-side gurus, and it was formed uh, back during the 2016 election cycle with an eye on bringing uh, the classic supply-side ideas uh, kind of into the mix. So it's a 501c3 uh, charitable foundation, and it's educational, focused on sort of the uh, supply-side issues, uh, sound money, low taxes, uh, good regulatory environment, uh, and so forth. And Steve Moore, who had kind of been running it along with the 10 other things that he does, asked me several months ago if I would come in uh, and sort of uh, help him run the day-to-day. And so he's still the chairman. I'm now the president of it. But really the, the whole focus for the last couple of months has been on educating people on the astonishing cost of the lockdowns and how important it is uh, to get the country open again. And uh, they, and we've been doing a, a daily newsletter on that, which is free. People can sign up for that on uh, committeedunleashedprosperity.com. Uh, click on the hotline and you can sign up for the daily newsletter. That's been kind of the main thing we've been doing, uh, putting a lot of work into that every single day. Uh, but really, and we did a report card of all the governors. We graded them on uh, you know, how well they're handling the economic aspect mm-hmm. of this current crisis, uh, how quickly they're reopening and so forth, because everyone else had been grading the opposite. How draconian are you being? Uh, we wanted to make uh, sort of the economic aspect of it out there. And so it is really a uh, sort of the... The supply, the premier supply side uh, educational uh, foundation, and uh, right now, of course, um, you know you're not going to have any supply of anything if people can't go to work and produce uh, goods and services, and so that's why the main focus has been on ending the lockdown. Well, absolutely, and it's such important work right now, and it just underscores the importance of the Constitution and limiting the power of government and allowing and just acknowledging the fact that people are free, they're meant to be free, and you see these draconian measures that are being taken right now, and it's not just governors, that's not just states. I mean, we're talking about local governments, uh, counties, uh, homeowners associations, <laughs> you name it. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, power is is addictive. I mean, the people love to to exercise the power that they have. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, so many of these, so many of these, uh, you know, restrictions are so completely arbitrary that they couldn't possibly have a genuine public health rationale. I, I don't understand how, for instance. Uh, we've determined that big box stores are fine, but smaller retailers are a disease risk of some sort. Uh, mm-hmm. That just seems completely bizarre to me. Uh, and and you sort of look at all these other things. You know, I mean, you had all these places that closed outdoor venues, parks and beaches, when we've got all of this evidence that not only is the virus not transmitted outdoors, but vitamin D could play a very important role in uh, mitigating the disease course. And, uh, you know, one of the big problems in New York is they're all vitamin D deficient because they're inside all the time anyway, and they're in high-rises with no sunlight getting down to the ground. And yet, 
you know, we, we pursue these policies that are uh, totally knee-jerk, and the costs are literally in the trillions of dollars. Yeah. And, you know, when you criticize them, then, then you get attacked as saying you want people to die. It's a very bizarre situation that we're in, especially when you consider that uh, there's very little evidence that the lockdowns were effective at all in reducing the spread of the disease. Uh, in New York, Governor Cuomo did a survey of people who were hospitalized uh, with COVID, and he found that 66% of them were sheltering at home when they contracted the disease, which means either it was spreading through ventilation systems or it was going through when they go and buy their uh, groceries or when they get things delivered or whatever it is. Uh, you know, we don't know, but his policy wasn't even working. Right. While it was causing absolute economic devastation. And so I really worry that uh, we've created a panic that's going to be very, very difficult to get out of because we're telling people things that are just not reflected by the actual facts and evidence that we have. And so, you know, when we try to tell them, uh, when we try to dispel these myths, uh, people aren't going to believe it. They're, they're not going to want, psychologically want to believe they wasted months of, uh, you know, sort of deprivation and economic harm uh, for something that wasn't even effective. And so, well, I'm not sure. You know, it's going to be very hard to unwind all this. And yeah. some states are doing a much better job than others. And yours has done a pretty good job on the whole. We gave your governor an A on our report card. Yeah, no, I think he, especially in, in the juxtaposition to what you're seeing in other states, you have to give uh, DeSantis an A because, of my goodness, the draconian measures that are being taken in Oregon and Wisconsin, Michigan, other places is just unbelievable. So, but I just like to acknowledge it. Back to the point you have, uh, you'd listed the committee members of uh, Forbes and uh, uh, Art Laffer and Stephen Moore and, and others. It's just amazing group of people, and uh, I think the work that you're doing there is so important right now. So, um, what do you do? You have have you drawn conclusions or any kind of policy statements about what we should do? Well, we want things uh, we want things open as soon as possible. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think the 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 assumption behind these lockdowns uh, was, you know, these sort of ridiculous, embarrassing, crude computer models that said, well, you know, this is how fast this disease is spreading, so we're just going to project it up to infinity and assume everyone gets it and there, there's mass death. And that's not how individuals actually behave. Uh, right. When they know that there's a bad disease, they alter their behavior. Right. And the curve very quickly diminishes because when you hear that there's a bad disease going around, you you don't you know, get up in people's faces, and you don't, uh, you know, you don't spread it. People very quickly alter their behavior. And, you know, one of the interesting patterns we've seen in almost every country is there's one severe hot spot, and then it's much less severe in the rest of the country. And that's because, you know, once people really see and know what's going on, they, they alter their behavior. You don't have to have government tell everyone what to do. And, you know, we think that uh, at this point, everything could be basically open as usual, and to the extent that there's still disease in places, people will adjust and respond with their own behavior, and we, uh, we don't see any great risk of medical systems being overwhelmed. In fact, we see the opposite. We see medical systems being destroyed by right. the lockdowns and the panic and people not getting other necessary medical care. And so uh, that's kind of what we want uh, from the states is to loosen and reverse all these restrictions. In terms of national policy response, uh, no to almost everything that Nancy Pelosi is proposing, and certainly no to bailing out the irresponsible uh, big blue states for uh, their pension obligations and their other budget holes and things that are totally unrelated uh, to this crisis. The amount of money that's already been pushed out the door uh, in the existing stimulus bills that have already passed is $2.47 trillion, which is about equal to all of the private payrolls in the country for about four and a half months. So yeah. that's how much money they've already spent. The idea they should spend even more is uh, insane. Uh, we should be looking for pro-growth tax cuts, however. We do support the president's call for a payroll tax holiday. Uh, and, and even more important, I think, we have to end the program that the Democrats have put in that Republicans agreed to, unfortunately, that makes unemployment pay more than work. Oh, my goodness. We've got this circumstance now, uh, thanks to the $600 additional federal benefit per week on top of state benefits, that about half of all the workers in the country can now get paid more on unemployment than they can get working, and that is a very bad situation for trying to get the economy moving and growing sharply again. And, uh, you know, that ends at the end of July, which is still pretty far off, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, Nancy Pelosi's bill that the House passed extends it to the end of January, yeah. actually kind of <clears throat> to the end of March, because she extends it to the end of January for beginning the expanded benefit. But if you're already on it, uh, you can continue getting it through the end of March of next year. So it's at least a six-month 
to it's a six to eight month extension on something that was should never have been four months in the first place if uh, they wanted to do it if the idea was to incentivize people not to work because you're trying to get them to stay home which I thought think was a bad policy even for the virus response but if you thought it made sense uh, I, you know I could have seen doing it for one month but doing it for four months the way they did yeah uh, it's going to cause tremendous economic damage well, just leave you with an idea I, keep, uh, I thought about it over the weekend and talked about it yesterday on the show which is basically let's develop a dashboard that lists maybe not only what's happening with coronavirus, a few things, but how about some of the things that are happening in the economy, too, so people can actually see the damage that's being done, you know, and uh, therefore hold elected officials accountable, policymakers accountable for what's happening uh, right now, because it is devastating. Uh, Phil, I just genuinely appreciate uh, your coming on the show. The Committee to Unleash Prosperity.org is the website committee to unleash prosperity.org and of course American dot, dot com, Bob. Dot com, I'm sorry, dot com and, uh, and of course uh, AmericanCommitment.org. Phil, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, have a good one. You as well, thank you. Wow, it's an interesting guy. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you join us tomorrow. We have an all-star lineup for tomorrow as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.